Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before brothers and sisters who love you. And I thank you, Father, tonight as Father, is the word that you've given me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Father, that I pray it would not just be a message, but Father, bring life, hope, peace, and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Well, I've you had the privilege of being privilege of being here, you know, a few times and here the the, the series that uh, pastors on on training for glory and I initially thought, you know, well, maybe I'd call this a supplement. You know, find some way to tie in there. And I figured I, I won't take that liberty because he's got a great series there. But I'm a, the idea of, uh, you know, what do you do now? You know, the, the, as, you, as you see things coming to a to head, as you see, you know, the, the craziness around, oh uh, what do you, how, do you, how do you live day in, day out? And... Uh, you know, there's two things that every Christian needs to fall back on when living in spiritually challenging times. Uh, number one is certainly your own salvation. And again, it's, uh, that is you know, faithfulness to the principles of God, uh, God's Word. Regardless, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on around you, there's that consistency, again, that shows the mature Christian. Uh, the second thing is what our topic's going to be tonight, but... We'll get to that in a second. Because I want to start again. Again, I, I, I realize I'm preaching to the choir. I've got mature people here. Some of you have maybe been born again longer than I have. Uh, I'm, I'm at 50 years born again now. But uh, the idea that salvation, um, you know, since, since you don't know where I am, I, let me just kind of say that uh, uh, let me, let me uh, allow me to review the basics. Um, in salvation, basics, have you given your allegiance to Jesus Christ based on the conviction that he died, that is, the death that was our future, to give us the life of God? As, you know, are you firmly settled in the fact that, uh, you know, the, the Old Testament uh, substitution of the, the Lamb, and the New Testament Jesus called the Lamb of God, sacrificing that instead of the guilty party giving his life, and and that's what salvation is. Because, again, I know everyone here, so you're, you're with me on that, and maybe way ahead of me. But let's turn to John chapter 5, verse 24. Because I'm, I'm going to talk of you know, kind of aspects of judgments and rewards and whatever. But in John 5, 24, great verse, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him, that is the Father who sent me, has present tense and future, eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death from life. Again, I'm starting simplistically. The fact is, is that we talk about judgment, you're not facing a heaven or hell judgment. That judgment, he says here, if you believed in him, you do not come into judgment, but you have past tense, uh, passed out of, from death into life. So I want to start off the fact, the joy, the celebration of heaven is yours. You've made that step. You've passed out of death. There is no, there's not that kind of judgment waiting for you at all. Now, as we live in this life under the, just the, the, the joy and the fellowship of, of Jesus Christ, 
the Holy Spirit living in us, at, at diff different junctures and, and different seasons in our lives, times get tough. Uh, could be legal issues, economic issues, social issues, cultural issues, as well as spiritual. But in, in, in the life, there, there are challenges that we have. Things happen that maybe challenge our faith. Uh, maybe stir great emotions in one way or another. People disappoint us. Our friends, uh, you know, they, uh, they may insert things in our mind or family or whatever that, that kind of cause doubts or questions. And uh, the, our minds are hijacked with thoughts of, of different areas. And, you know, what motivates us to keep on keeping on, keeping on, as Pastor Kevin said last week, taking the kingdom of heaven by force. What keeps us motivated to keep doing that? Well, I'll start with this. and because Last week, for the first time, praise God, in my entire life, my computer crashed. I've changed computers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. It, it is. Uh, in fact, it was, it was last Thursday. Computer crashed. And uh, I was actually washing some rags from the garage and the washing machine. And the washing machine broke. This is within 10 minutes of each other. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm on a roll. But uh, anyway, this, this last week I had a, a friend uh, who come and helped me get the new hard drive in the computer. You know this, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of say for those of you that don't. In a computer you have a hard drive. And the hard drive has all the memory of everything you've ever done and everything you ever want to do and da 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 they also have what's called a RAM, uh, random access mo mode, module, I don't know what it is, it's called a RAM. And the way it works, and there's, there's a reason for this, is that you have all this information on your hard drive, but you don't use most of it. I don't use much of it at all, it's just certain programs. Now, when you fire it up, the RAM memory, it's a lot smaller, a lot more specific, and it takes the things that it figures you want and puts it on the RAM drive so when you're on the computer, it can find it faster. Rather than going to the great big memory, the things you normally use, often use, are on this smaller RAM drive. And uh, so what I want to say to you is that uh, there's a lot of things in your mind. There's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of learning that you have over your life, over your Bible reading, over your prayer life. You have a tremendous amount of information. But there are certain things that you have, I'll just compare it to, you don't, no, you're not electronic, don't have a rem, but, but there are certain things that you can access real quick because you use it all the time. Certain verses you remember, certain thoughts, certain attitudes. Some of us are trapped in wrong attitudes because that ram has caught that wrong attitude and, and some people will just get, you know, get mad at the drop of a hat. And so you know, the idea of trying to, is by prayer and by practice, Putting those things that are of importance, because you're not going to get rid of the things that are on your mind, the, all the, 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 of your past. Some people deal with that their entire life because they've never been able to set it aside. And so you know, it's wise to have the basics of Christianity in what I'll just call your RAM drive in your mind. And again, we, we can take that to renewing your mind, but we won't go there. But in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, we're going to spend a little bit of time there. I want to start off with the first half, and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, according to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul says, like a wise master builder, builder, I, Paul says, I laid a foundation. 
Now again, he didn't say the foundation, but he said to the, the Corinthians, I laid a foundation. And uh, you know, this is what Paul, the things Paul taught, the things Paul had revelation to, he, he taught those, and it laid a foundation. And not only for the, the, the Corinthians, but if, we, if we're realistic, we go back and we say that, you know, what we believe, we got mostly from the New Testament and, and maybe from other teachers, but it goes back to the things that Paul wrote. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And uh, so, you know, in Ephesians 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul writes this, and he says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Verse 20, now here's what I want to bring to you. Having been built, that is God's household having been built, God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being in the, the cornerstone. So I want you to just, the word picture uh, for you know, the way God set up with the, the new covenant, Jesus being the cornerstone, the apostles and the prophets laying the foundation, uh, the, the things that would, would determine the, you know, the, the size of the building, the, the, the limits of the building, the, the breadth of the building, all those things there. And then, it's, then he says in 1 Corinthians 3, the second half of that verse, first is when he said, like a wise uh, builder I laid a foundation. The second half of 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, and another is building on that foundation. Another is building on that foundation. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now, who that other person is, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people could be, and all of them would be true. Uh, you know, for you guys, a lot of it's Pastor Kevin as he's teaching you the, the theology and those building on that foundation of the New Testament, the apostles and prophets set down for us. You know, for some, you know, let's, we've, we've got some years on us here. Billy Graham, you know, it's, I'll just throw out names people can accept and not reject. Billy Graham laid, you know, foundation of what salvation was and how to do it. And, and you're, you know, could be your favorite TV preacher. Uh, or it could be you. You know, you're actually building on that foundation yourself. The fact, he says, is that uh, another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. And I think this is a lot of what you're getting here on Wednesday nights as, as uh, Pastor Kevin's talking about training for glory, the idea of, of building on that foundation and how you build on it and, and what you build there. And uh, so, you know, you, but you are the ultimate builder. You're, you're going to decide which bricks go on that foundation and what order they go in. And uh, that foundation that was laid in your heart. And so, again, I, the idea of when things get tough, when disappointment comes, when whatever discouragement comes your way, you need to have, I encourage you to have on that you know, ram drive in your head, first around the front of your brain, the idea of being able to pull these things, the truths of what Scripture, the truths of, of, of how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to react, what you're supposed to say and not say, and how to think and what to not to think. So we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 3 again. That's our key here. 1 Corinthians 3, we read verse 10, we're going to go on to verse 11. Paul's talking about being the master builder and let each man be careful. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11, it says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? No other foundation is Christianity. No other foundation is the new covenant. No other foundation will get that relationship with God, the, the Holy Spirit living in you. And... Uh, Fact is, is that there's there's so many demands on your life. Years ago, I I think many of you remember that Ed Sullivan show. Who watched the Ed Sullivan show on Sunday nights? Okay, 
I don't know whether Edsel, and I think probably, uh, uh, although you had your afternoon variety shows too, but more than once I saw this great act, had a guy, and he'd take a stick with a plate on it, start spinning the plate, you know, then he'd set it down and grab another one, set it down, and every once in a while he'd have to run back and give that another spin and keep it going. And I don't know, they've had 15, maybe even 20. I, it was impressive, all these spinning plates, and he'd just run around keeping them going. Have you ever thought your life was like that? <laughs> just running from here to there, trying to keep the things going. And uh, you know, it's a picture, I think, many of, of our lives. Um, we get tired and exhausted. We can get tired and exhausted. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just would like to step back and let some of those plates just fall. Yeah. You know, there's times where we, get so, we don't care anymore. And so, so what keeps us going when, we, when, we, when quitting is easier? You know, or, or maybe not quitting, you know, because that has really bad connotation. Maybe just sitting back and just doing nothing for a while. And again, there's certainly times for rest, but the idea, sometimes it's, the idea of, it's just too much, too many demands, too much, I just want to draw back. I'm not quitting Jesus, I just want to kind of quit life and whatever else. You know, what, what's our motivation to do more than the bare minimum in our Christian walk at times like that? Well, I'm in church, so the natural first answer is, well, surely, Pastor, surely, Pastor, it's, it's you know, our, because of God's love for us. I'll keep going because God loves us so much. And that's a good answer, and it's a true answer. But uh, sometimes that's not enough. I know, I, 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 you know, I know I'm in church, but I also really, sometimes I'm still too tired. You know, there's, there's times that at night, you know, you should do something. You're just too tired. You don't go to bed. Or you might say a second answer as well, because, because of gratitude. I mean, God's done so much for us. And, and again, this is all true. God's done so much for us. Even the point of giving a son to die for my sins and, and, and the, the, the painful death on the cross. And so keep me going. When, 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 when I'm tired or when I'm discouraged, more than when I'm discouraged, more when it just seems like nothing's going to work anyway. Why should I bother? Why should I keep going? Uh, and again, gratitude is a, is a motivation. And that's good. And they're probably, those are probably the best two to, to go with. But I'm going I'm to give you a third one. It doesn't sound near as spiritual, but it's true and it works. And that is rewards. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember Paul talking about building the foundation, building that right. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 15, this is the, the completion of his thought there. And he says... Now, if any man builds on that foundation, okay, so remember, you're, the, you're probably the primary builder there. Other people can input, but you put that down. If any man builds on that foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, I mean, there's all sorts of different building materials, all sorts of different quality of what you're going to put on that foundation. The foundation won't change. The foundation will stay strong. But we can put good things or you know, weak things or bad things there. He says... Uh, if any man builds on the foundation, any of these six uh, materials here, verse 13, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now we're coming, okay, the idea, that's, that's you and I. How do we build our Christian life? You know, what are, what's the criteria saying, I'm going to grab onto that, I'm going I'm to plant that deep in my heart. Verse 14, if any man's work 
which he has built on it remains after the fire, he will receive a what? Now some people think the idea of talking about reward sounds unspiritual. But you know, this is God's idea, not ours. The idea again that uh, you know, we, we look at, uh, and we're going to look at more verses hopefully tonight, the idea that uh, God, I'll, I will digress here, I believe capitalism is the best system of government in the world on this earth because it motivates with reward. And no other system does that. It demotivates by all the other bondages. But it's not a, the idea that the, that's what motivates us here on this earth. And that's in mankind because God put it in there. And God's smart enough to use what he put in mankind to motivate us to kingdom things. And that we, we'll, if we have a chance, we'll look at several things where, where the Bible talks about, you know, there are rewards for being consistent. There are rewards for keeping on going when everything in your body says, I want to quit, I want to step back, I don't want to, have, I just, I don't want to deal with that stress or pressure. But he says, uh, verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself, and remember we're talking about the foundation by the apostles and prophets, Jesus the cornerstone, we build it. But even if it burns up, it says, he himself will be saved. We're not, this is not a heaven or hell judgment, this fire here. It has nothing to do with your eternal destiny. That was been determined. We read that earlier in John chapter 5. You've passed from death to life. You will not come into judgment. The judgment of heaven or hell. It says you know, that the person that's built with wood, hay, and stubble, he says he'll suffer loss, but he will be saved yet as though through fire. You're not getting through with a whole lot on the other end, but praise God, you're saved. You're, you get the eternity with heaven, with God, and, that, and that's wonderful. Now again, he talked about and gave... Materials here that uh, would either burn or wouldn't burn. Gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble. And the next thing it says, if you go back to uh, do, 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 verse uh, four, uh, 13. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it's revealed with fire. And the fire itself will attest the quality, that's the wood, hay, and st uh, stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones, of each man's what? Work. work. Now, work has in our society or Christianity today, because we tie it to the works of the law, work has been given a bad rep. You know, it is a four-letter word, and some people, you know, don't like that for that reason. Uh, but the fact is, is that God's testing the quality of our work. This is not a heaven or hell judgment of works of the law. It is a quality of your work, your commitment, your, your obedience to the Holy Spirit. You're your, your fulfilling your gift and your purposes, the, the way God made you to function in the body of Christ for the purpose of building up the body of Christ as a whole. And what we do, again, as we're, as we're building on that foundation and we build quality things, you know, start, start building the walls with those things, the time will come when... All of that will be tested, and it will test the quality of your work. And if it's not burned up, it says you'll receive a reward. Now, I don't know to you, but, but you know, rewards on earth are fine, but can you imagine how much better heavenly rewards would be? Think, and, and see, rewards on earth, you know, somebody saying, hey, what a great guy. You know, they're just, they're just really a godly man or, a, you know, go to it. Whatever. Those things all die when, when you leave your body. 
heavenly rewards will be there forever. And that, I just want to say, is motivation for sticking with what you know and how you know to do it through whatever comes your way in your lifetime on this earth or on this earth and, and the world in general. And so you know, what, what, what's going to make it through that fire? What is, a, what is a work or whatever? Well, number one, many of the actions that you do are work. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 through 30. You know the story. I'll just read it. You, you don't need context because you know it. Then Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Well, you talk about carnal, huh? Have you ever read that and realized that Jesus should have turned to him and says, where is your head, Peter? Here I'm just offering you, you know, heaven, walking around with me. What do you mean what's in this for us? You just go back and repent. Now maybe I'll just, you know, spend 30 days by yourself and come back and get your... Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus encouraged him. And the idea again, I, again, I don't think God's mad at us. If it's a certain time, maybe it's when we're really down or, or, or questioning or whatever, and, and just say, God, you know, show me. You know, what's what's going to be the what, what, what's going to be the benefit of this? I, you might even be just as, as you know, just base and say, what's in it for me? Now, God may chastise you depending on what your attitude is in there, but let's put it to a point where, say that uh, you know, the world is just in a tremendous mess. And you have a choice to do something that will be for God that might cause you some, uh, hurt your reputation or whatever, or, or financially, whatever else. And you have an opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. And you're not sure you want to give, pay that cost of what it would cost you. God's not squeamish. And I would see something like this where Peter would say, well, well, God, what about us? You know, we've given up all this stuff. And Jesus says, you haven't given up anything close to as much as you're going to get out of this. Rewards. Jesus says in that, Peter, uh, Peter says, what, what's in it for us? Uh, what, what then will there be for us? Look at verse 28. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that you have followed me uh, in the regeneration, when the Son of that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left, now, okay, so that's them. And so we're sitting here two thousand years later, okay, well, the thrones are thrilled, what they're filled, what's in it for us? And he says, and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children. Now, not leaving them just because you want to leave them or you're mad at them, but for the gospel's sake. If it's something that costs you to lose your family, something that costs you to lose possessions, because that's where we often start drawing the line as to how far I'm going to follow God. You know, what am I going to get at? Is it worth this to me? And he says, everyone who loses family because of me or loses possessions because of me, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Many who are first will be last, the last will be first. See, the idea of actions, your actions, you know, in obedience to the Word of God, your actions in obedience to the Holy Spirit, your actions, they're not based on what's, 
you know, what, what I can gain out of this in this world, but can I bless the kingdom of God and bless brothers and sisters in the Lord? Another type of works I want to kind of cover tonight, and, and that is uh, the idea of good, good works. Uh, that, uh, well, the good works that you do, and we'll talk about, they take on form in the spiritual world. Let me explain it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul writes, For we must, and he's writing to Christians, for we, Christians, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for the deed. Oh, look at this. We, now this isn't the world, this is the kingdom of God. These are God's people, brothers and sisters of the Lord. He says that each one may be recompensed for his, what? Deeds. Deeds in the body. According to what he has done whether good or bad. You know, again, as Christians, we mess up sometimes. And, you know, it's, sometimes we do put wood, hay, or stubble on our foundation. But the fact is, that's, again, it's not a heaven or hell issue. It's a something we need, sometimes we'll, through repentance, we go back and tear that piece of wall out and do something else. But the idea that our actions, you know, the things that, uh, our deeds in the body, the things we do in our body, they have eternal consequences. Now, I, I want to make the application there is that there's times when may, maybe you're in an emotional state and you say things, and even as they're coming out of your mouth, you know that's wrong. You know you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have released those words. Or you do something to someone else kind of out of spite or to prove that you know, they, they did you wrong. Uh, and, and those, again, will, or maybe, again, the, on, the other, on the good side, recompense for the deeds in his body. And this is where I believe most of you are here tonight. Gold, silver, and precious stones. But the deeds of the body, when you help someone, when you bless someone, when you, when you do something that just, you didn't do it because you wanted to, but you thought it should be done. Didn't do it because you saw immediate results or immediate uh, blessing or rewards for you, but you just, it, that didn't matter. The loving of someone else or caring for someone else just was more important. And, you know, in this, other people aren't the judge of, of what it's, you know, what's right or wrong, good or bad. We have, praise God, the perfect judge, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why obeying God's word is, is a good indication that the, 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 that the works that God puts in your plate are gold, silver, and precious stones. If they're, again, from the words of Jesus or from the Holy Spirit, just uh, giving that unction at a certain point in time, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, Paul says, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. Okay, when we talk about judgments, we're judgment of works. For those who are non-Christian, again, heaven or hell judgment, we know it's perfect. And Jesus perfectly knows our, our works, the rewards that are ours. He says, who is to judge the living and the dead? and by his appearing and his kingdom. So he says, Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Now again, to the degree that Timothy did what the Spirit of God was telling him to, there were rewards there. But not just Timothy, not just preachers, because it's easy, you know, when you're sitting in a congregation going, well, pastor, you know, he's got all these opportunities and you know, he's so good and he's so blessed. And, and uh, you know, what am I? Well, I, I, just, I just, 
I watch the kids in the nursery, or I teach Sunday school, or I'm an usher, or I'm a musician. And we downplay the vital things that God has called us to do. Amen. And you know, when, when we think nothing is happening or we're not being uh, taken care of well enough by God, the enemy will always come in and try to say, yeah, you probably ought to quit. Yeah, you probably ought to quit doing it. No, nobody cares about you. Nobody notices. Let me tell you, if nobody notices, you get more blessings. The Bible clearly, Jesus clearly says in the gospel, says, you know, that, that if you get your reward here, you have it in full. It would be better again. And, and now, if you're not looking for reward, you still get blessed and rewarded for what you do, even though other people do kind of step in and, and congratulate you for it and thank you for it. But what I'm saying is never be discouraged or never think God doesn't see just because somebody else doesn't. Because there are rewards, again, which God set there to motivate you to do what he's called you to do and do it with, with greatness. Uh, another similar one, Acts chapter 10, verse 42 and 43. Uh, Paul wrote, And he, Jesus, ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who's been appointed by God. Now again, what he's telling you, I'm doing the works that he told me to do. Uh, the one who's been appointed by God as, as judge of the living and the dead. Again, Jesus is the one that judges. Of him, all the prophets bear witness, and through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. I guess this, this is a verse I brought in, brought the idea that Jesus is the perfect judge. He's watching, lovingly watching over, giving the Holy Spirit to encourage. Now the Holy Spirit, you know, again, he's called the helper. Understand he's not called the initiator. The Holy Spirit will help when you're doing what God has called you to do. But it's, the Holy Spirit is not the initiator. It's like, the, maybe they make the idea that the, the Holy Spirit is like the plumber's helper there. You go, it gets to your house. The plumber's helper is there when the plumber is doing what he's supposed to do to help that plumber succeed. He is not the plumber. The Holy Spirit is not the plumber. He's the helper. Because God has given us the joy and privilege of being the one who does it with the help of the Holy Spirit. But if we don't do it, He doesn't do it. Because He's a helper. He knows His position and He's very good at it. So what's the basis of judgment? Uh, again, as we look at these things, we've talked about it, but I want to take you into Revelation chapter 20. Another major verse about this whole thing. In Revelation 20, the Apostle John, again, as he's, as he's closing up the book of Revelation, he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence, you know, the, the, who, from whose presence heaven and earth fled away. I mean, this is, this is quite a majestic vision here. And no place was found for them, that is, heaven and earth. He just, he just took it all. It was all, all God. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, and the great and the small, standing before the throne, and, I love this, this is, people have read this so often, it says, and books were opened. Now, is that singular or plural? I love it. Books were opened, and another book, singular or plural? Singular, okay. So here's, you know, just, maybe you know this, but if you don't, it's kind of be fun to look at. In heaven, when everybody shows up, there's a whole library full of books. They're all open. There's one special book, and you know what that is. There's one special book, 
But John says that there's two different events. The books were opened, and then the book, singular, was opened. And uh, let's see. Verse 12. And I saw the, go back there. I saw the dead, the great small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which we all know is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the book of life, right? That's not what it says. The dead were judged from the things were written in the books, according to their deeds. Interesting, isn't it? Because we all know the only way to heaven is receive Jesus. Though I'm not making any light of that. That is a, that is a solid fact. But there's a verse. I, we may not get to it tonight, so I'll just say it. You know, that says that, you know, that there'll be that point where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, when it says every tongue, if you look at it in context, it's not just talking about the saints. It's talking about unbelievers. Well, unbelievers, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now again, this isn't salvation confession. This is reality confession. Because when they come and they, you know, they come up and, and you know, they have the opportunity and say, well, Jesus, you know, I, I may not have been to church, but you know, I lived right beside Pastor Kevin. And uh, I watched him. And I think I'm a better Christian than he is. And, uh, well, he's wrong. We know that. But anyway... But the idea is that then Jesus leads him over and says, okay, let, let's, let's, look at, let, let's look at the books. Let's look at your life. And in the revelation of what the books hold, the deeds that they did on earth, because all of us think we're pretty good people. All of us think we're doing, you know, we're kind of more good than we are bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to it, again, the books will be opened, and as the, those who have not received Jesus, those who are not born again, those who have not received eternal life, they will see the justice of their condemnation. It's not a matter of, you know, now, now we may see a lot of those same things, but we are brought over to the book, the singular book, and none of that matters because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so again, judgment, you've passed out of, you know, from death to life. Your heaven or hell judgment is not in your future. But I want to say clearly Scripture talks about a judgment of your works, a judgment of your thoughts, a judgment of your actions. And uh, so it goes on to say, let's see, I'll just skip to verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And, you know, very simply. So, believers, again, it sounds contradictory, we will be judged, but not heaven or hell judgment. I want you to know that everything you do between now and the time Jesus comes back, it is being recorded also. And... You know, if you say, well, yeah, but I've really been a lousy, you know, I, I haven't obeyed God, I've done this and this and this, eh, it's wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll burn. You're not taking it to heaven with you, I guarantee you. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but again, the other thing in motivating us to be consistent, 
to walk with God when things are tough, when, every, when the whole world kind of turns away and whatever. Those things are gold, silver, and precious stones. And they will result in good things. And uh, you know, believers are to be, were to be judged in the sense that uh, our works done on this earth after salvation are being judged or tested. Here's, now, as we look at this, I'm going to read a paragraph from uh, Wayne Grudem's theology uh, book here, because sometimes as Christians, we are very competitive. And we talk about judgments, we talk about works and whatever else. We, we kind of get competitive about, well, you know, but, oh, but, you know, pastor, he does so much more, or the, you know, the, the, the musicians, they do some, and, you know, what, what chance do I have to have any you know, real rewards in heaven? You know, what, what I'm probably, you know, I, I messed up doing this and couldn't do that, and, so I, I want you to understand is that God looks at each of us individually. In fact, uh, I'll take this a little bit out of context, but Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, he says, and, and in, in comparing yourselves with yourselves, you do err. We all have a race. And that race, again, there's several references to it in Scripture about running the race and, and, and laying aside the weights that so easily beset you. And, and, and you know, that uh, in a race, you know, everyone runs and only one gets the crown. That's true. But let me tell you something that I think if I had more time, we could, we could prove several ways from Scripture. Your race is not against pastor or anyone else in this room. Your race that God has set before you, you are not in competition with. It. Because see, if you are in competition with someone else, you know, if, if you know, I'll just point. If you if you guys were, were both in competition with each other, then that means one of you is unnecessary in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, God has something as far as your place in the kingdom, the 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 things you offer the kingdom. Benefits, all those things. And so the only one you are racing against is your own calling. How are you running in comparison to the giftings, the talents, the abilities, the benefits, the experiences, all those things there? How are you running in comparison to who you are, who God made you, what God called you to be? And so, see, if we're not running against each other, there's not a competition of, I've been a deacon for three years, I really ought to be head deacon, because if I could be head deacon, you know, I could, I'd have more rewards. And so what we happen with is in competition at times. Sometimes, and I'm very guilty of it as I was a pastor, is, you know, there's, there's just competition in pastor. I wanted my church to be bigger than his. I wanted to be better than his. I wanted to, you know, whatever else. But see, the only one I'm running against is my own Potential. The same with you. Now let's look at that and, and look some scripture on this. Uh, um, oh, before we do that, let me read this. When we talk about heaven and getting to heaven rewards, there is this capitalistic idea that if I have more than somebody else, I'll be happier than they are. If I have more rewards, then people will look up to me and da da da. Here's what he says, Wayne Grudem, Systematic Theology. We must guard ourselves against misunderstanding here. 
even though there will be degrees of reward in heaven, the joy of each person will be full and complete for eternity. Remember Paul talks about, you know, if it's all burned, you'll get through, you'll still be saved, yet it's through fire. You go, oh, what a horrible thing. And yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly like to have some benefits and rewards in heaven for eternity. Because see, if it costs me something in this life, it costs me, you know, a year. If it costs me several months or it costs me... Compare one year on this earth to eternity. <laughs> all right? He goes on. If we ask how this can be, the idea of each person being full and complete, if we ask how this can be, there are different degrees of, uh, when there are different degrees of reward, it simply shows that our perception of happiness is based on the assumption that happiness depends on what we possess or the status or power that we have. In actuality, he says, however, our true happiness consists in delighting in God and rejoicing in the status and recognition that He has given each one of us. The foolishness of thinking that only those who have been highly rewarded and given great status, you know, you'll be ruler over ten cities, oh, you're only ruler over five, that those people with great status will be fully happy in heaven the foolishness, uh, foolishness of that is seen when we realize that no matter how great a reward we are given, there will always be those with greater rewards. The you know, heavenly creatures, Jesus Christ himself and God himself, you know, have, they have more than we do. Therefore, his conclusion, if highest status were essential for people to be fully happy, no one but God would be happy in heaven which is certainly an incorrect idea. See, this understanding of rewards, again, would, would, if it, changes, it would hopefully change our way of thinking that would motivate Christians to help others win their race instead of competing. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily besets us so I can win my race, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And again... If you find yourself competing, and here, here's an example. I, I've run across people all my, all my ministry life. They come up and say, wow, you know, I, I could have been that person. I, you know, I, I, or I was on stage with brother so-and-so and, you know, back 30 years ago. And, and, and that's, that, that's, they, they, they're always trying to figure out you know, how they could compete with them. Uh, or how they could be, you know, notor have the notoriety. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 rather, let us lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the pace that's set before us. Now again, I am, I have to admit to you, I am by nature a competitive person. It, it's, it's in my, I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but I am competitive. Um, do you know what zero-sum game is? A zero-sum game basically means that if you get something, that means you lose something. Monopoly is a zero-sum game, okay? Only one person wins and everybody else loses. Christianity or the kingdom of God is not a zero-sum game. If you've got everybody running their own race, do you realize it's God's plan that everybody wins? And, you know, that, that's just... it's. And so I'm saying, do your part, do your best. You're not, you're not cutting anybody else out by being totally obedient to God. And uh, 
Hebrews 10.23, and this will bring, I'm starting to wrap it up here. This will, this will make it start bringing understanding maybe this verse that you've heard for years. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay? Now again, as, as, as uh, you guys are talking about and, and teaching on the idea of uh, training for glory, make sure that it's a team project. You know, the, the idea, it says, uh, you know, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, encouraging one another. Finding out again if somebody's, you know, somebody's taking the brunt of some societal ill, you know, somebody's governmental or whatever else. You know, the idea is, is looking out for one another because not, it's not only helping them, I want you to know that's part of your race. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Verse 25, here it is, not forsaking our own assembling together during these times as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now again, I can't stand up here and tell you exactly when the day's coming, but I can tell you this, it's 2,000 years closer than when this was written in the book of Hebrews. And that makes a difference. Let's see. So, it's okay to want rewards, to earn rewards. Just as much as it's okay to, to want to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, are you being prideful because you want to hear those words? No. When times get tough and your flesh is wanting to just hang it up and, and live like the rest of the world, remember, eternity is a lot longer than this lifetime. Stay faithful and productive until you go to Jesus or he comes back. Hallelujah. And I think I'm just better quit there. No, I'm going to say this. Sorry. Another thing the Bible teaches, and we won't go there, but uh, if you look at the order of judgment, your works are not judged as soon as you leave this earth. It all happens at the end where everybody, it, uh, the, our rewards and judgments all at the same time. Now, I thought about that, and I thought it would certainly be a whole lot more efficient if, you know, when this person went to heaven, they would judge this person. The lines would be so much easier when we all got there. <laughs> but the reason why God is waiting to the end is because when you leave this earth, your rewards have not stopped compiling. The things you do, the seeds you plant... The, the ideas that you pass along, the things that, you know, in church and teaching and whatever else, until Jesus comes back, there's potential that those will continually be gathering rewards. Uh, in, in, in a secular term, it's called passive income. Okay? And this is the way God works. He wants to make sure you get it all. Stand up with me. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, ICC Family, all one word, 
icc.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.